Have you or your upcoming college kid found the scholarship process overwhelming? I know for me it was, which is why I invited our special guest as she has some little known tips that I wish I knew about that will blow you away. You are listening to Her Dinero Matters, the podcast helping Latinas have increased confidence and control over their finances. My name is Jen Hempel, and as an accredited financial counselor, my mission is to help you be more confident and simplify your finances so you can save more, get out of debt quicker, and build your wealth. Paying for college, especially nowadays, is challenging to say the least, especially with the incredibly high ticket price of tuition. Yes, I'm a little sour about that. This makes paying for a college a stressor, and I definitely have felt this and still feel this with my oldest being in college at this very moment. And honestly, I wished we had known some of these tips that you're going to learn today. This is your host, Jen Hemphill, and I really, really appreciate you joining me for this conversation. Today's guest, Rachel Jimenez, has a motivating story. From an early age, she wanted to prove to her mother that she could do things differently and achieve her goals. And you know what? She did. From obtaining $100,000 in scholarships to building her own business while being a mother, wife, and working full-time, Rachel has made it happen. And be sure to stay until the end to hear a powerful quote that she shares about a crucial moment in her life. And don't forget that we have a community waiting to support you and where you can share your thoughts or questions from today. More on that later. Now let's get started with today's show. Bienvenida, Rachel. I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I'm glad that a mutual friend, Whitney Hansen, connected us and that you're here on the show. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, as always, we start with our money story. So Rachel, take us back in time to your upbringing and share with us a little bit about your experiences or the lessons that you have had around money that really has shifted or really impacted you as a person and even to this day. Absolutely. There's a huge money lesson that stands out in my mind. So I have an older sister, she's about seven years older than me. So when I was around 10 years old, she was in high school and getting ready to go off to college, planning which college she would go to. And I remember it being stressful. So I remember driving in my mom's station wagon, sitting in the back seat, my sister being in the front seat, my mom driving. And there being this discussion around my sister wanting to go to a four-year college that all her friends were going to. And my mom being like, we're gonna help you with school, but you have to do a pick and save college education as my mom called it. So that meant going to a community college first and for two years and then transferring to a four-year degree. And her, her thought process was it doesn't matter where you start, what matters is where you end. And that's a great way to save money, which in hindsight, I totally agree with. And there's one lesson there of being frugal and kind of figuring ways to get things for less than maybe the ticket price is normally. But Another lesson that really came out of that for me was that money can be stressful and I didn't want that. And it kind of created this negative energy around our family. And so, you know, fast forward a couple weeks, this kind of sat with me and was in my head. And so I was driving somewhere with my mom. My sister was out, uh, out of the car and I just randomly popped up and said, mommy, don't worry about me for college. Like, you don't have to pay for my college. I'll just get scholarships. And as a 10 year old, I had just heard of scholarships and knew that was a thing. And my mom looked at me and my mom always the realist was like that's great sweetie but you know we're middle class you're a white girl like 
the odds of that are pretty low. Um, and I was just like not phased by it. And so I, that was a huge lesson for me of just kind of stating something and putting it out into the universe and having a big goal. And so I remember fast forward when I was in middle school, I had a teacher reach out to me, pull me outside of class and I thought I was in trouble. And she said, Rachel, you're doing really good in math. And there's this other program that you could do. And basically you're going to be a year ahead of in math. And then when you get to high school, you can take AP classes, which would give you college credit. And so immediately when I heard college credit, I thought that's a way to save money for school I'm in. And so having that big goal, even though I was probably in fourth or fifth grade when I stated it, it makes you open to opportunities when they do pop up. So it makes you hyper aware of them in your life. And so fast forward, now I'm an adult and I'm happy to say that I was able to get a fluoride scholarship for my undergrad degree. And I ended up getting over $100,000 in scholarships and multiple degrees, um, a bachelor's degree and multiple master's degrees all paid for. And so I think it's just the power of having a mindset. And sometimes we might perceive something as negative or bad, but using that as something that you can launch off of as an opportunity to grow is something that's really powerful. And just the power of having goals over long periods of time is so powerful. That's incredible. I appreciate you sharing. And a couple things uh, from what you shared is one, your mom's thinking about first going to community college, but because you acquired scholarships, you just went straight to the four-year school, correct? I Correct. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's what I figured. And something that you mentioned there in terms of how your mom thought, I, I really appreciated because I know from my own personal experience of going to, to college, we're still young when we go to college and do we really, some kids may know what they really want to do, but what I got my bachelor's in in college is not anything that I do today. And right now schools are so expensive. So any way that you can save money or have someone else pay for it. The other thing that I appreciated you saying, Rachel, is that you were so observant. Basically you were looking for ways to have or save money. And you mentioned that was a goal. You mentioned that you had told your mom that you were going to get scholarships. And your mom was like, I don't know if you'll have the opportunity. You also, you, you know, the you had the aha moment when you realized there was the, the opportunity of AP classes. And did you realize at that time in your youth that that was a result of what your mom shared? Or did you realize that later? I think I re- I just knew that I, I, I always wanted to prove my mom wrong <laughs> in a loving way. Like I have a great relationship with my mom. And so I think me, I set that goal. I just, I, I think I always wanted to prove my mom wrong, but also achieve my goal. And so there was kind of that push in that pool. And so whenever I came across an opportunity, whether it be AP classes or somebody like later in life, when I was a senior in high school, I was reading my a newsletter that came up for my dad's work, and it was like $2,000 scholarship for children of our employees. And so I was like, ooh, let me, let me apply for that. And so it wasn't necessarily like what my mom had said specifically, because I think if I had listened to what she had said, it would have been like, oh, it's not possible. But I, I just knew I was listening more to what my goal was and the feeling of I don't want my parents to stress out because they seemed a little stressed with my sister. And so what can I do? How can I be in control of the situation and make things work? And so whenever I found an opportunity, I would jump on it. I love that. Very, very driven and very goal driven <laughs> at that. You also mentioned that you got over a hundred dollars. 
$100,000, big difference, uh, with aid and, and scholarships that funded multiple degrees. We are definitely eager to hear more about that, Rachel. Would you break down what you did? I know you mentioned you applied for that $2,000 scholarship. What else did you do to get that money to fund your education? Of course. So starting from the beginning, when, let's see, I started high, I was in my advanced math class in middle school, and then I started taking high school classes and I was in AP classes and things like that. And so I did pass a couple of AP classes. I think it was two, which decreased the amount of college credit I had to get. But I remember freshman year really striving to reach that goal. And I knew, okay, I know there are merit-based scholarships. Let me try to get straight A's. And then um, I found out from a counselor or something that the number one student, the valedictorian got a full ride scholarship. And so that was my goal. I was like, I let me try to be valedictorian, um, which, Spoiler alert, I didn't get, <laughs> but I still got scholarships. Um, and so I tried really hard. There were, we had a big school. Um, there were a thousand students, I think, in my graduating class. But later I found out, this was my senior year, I got called into the office. And again, I thought I was in trouble. I never got called into the office. And so I was like, what did I do? What did they find out? And then I, I go in and there's a bunch of my peers from my AP classes that are also in the office. And I'm like, there's no way we all did something really bad. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? And our counselor sat us down and said, okay, you guys are all part of the top 1% of this graduating class. It was about six months before graduation. There was like, as long as you keep your grades up and do what you've been doing, you're within the top 1%. And there's the local state school has a presidential scholarship where basically they give you a full ride scholarship. And I just remember like my jaw hit the floor because I was just thinking I didn't reach my goal. I didn't apply to any schools because I, I was going to do the pick and save college education. I was going to the community college. That, that was the plan. My parents were going to help me with that. And so like six months before graduation, I find out that, oh, like I just achieved my goal kind of out of the blue. But it was this whole process of every semester just shooting for the stars. I played, I was an athlete, I played soccer, and I remember sitting in the nurse's office to get the drug test, the random drug test, and there's this quote on the wall that said, shoot for the stars because if you fall, at least you will land among, no, shoot for the moon because if you fall, at least you'll land amongst the stars. And I feel like that's really what happened to me because I was shooting to be valedictorian. I think salutictorian might have gotten a scholarship as well. I didn't, I was fourth in my class, so I didn't receive either of those, but even just shooting as far as you can, even if you fall a little bit short, usually really good things can happen from that. And so I went to Cal State San Bernardino, my local state school, and was able to get that scholarship. Um, and then, so I talked about that $2,000 scholarship from my dad's work. I had applied for that before I found out about the other one. And I remember finding out that I received it and I literally got a check in my name in the mail. And before that, I, I thought that there was some clearinghouse somewhere like an auditor that would only allow people to get scholarships if they didn't have a full ride already. And then I realized that there's, they'll give you money. They'll keep giving you money as long as you're going to school and you apply for them and you know, you have to, you check all the boxes that they have. And so then I realized how profitable it can be to apply for and re receive scholarships. And so then I applied for as many scholarships as I possibly could because, you know, you still have housing costs, you have to buy books, computers, things like that, um, living expenses, feeding yourself. And so those go to pay for all of those things. So if you can get more than what just tuition costs, that's money in your pocket and you can use it however you want. If you want to invest that money for the future, if you want to buy a house with it, you can. They're not checking in on what you do with that money. 
So I applied through my school. There were additional, like you could fill out an application every year, I believe. And I think a lot of schools have this to be put into like a scholarship pool because they get a lot of um, donors that give money to the school for various things. So some donors say, I want this to go to a certain, you know, ethnic minority. Another say, I want this to go to student athletes. And another donor could say, I want it to go to people studying business or something like that. And so you just kind of check all the boxes that you match and then sometimes they request that you write an essay or something like that so you just go through that system fill everything out and then you wait a few months and kind of the algorithm figures it out and there's people on the back end that are reviewing your essays and things like that and then every once in a while you'll get an email that says oh you received this other scholarship so i did the school-based scholarships i got the presidential presidential scholarship i found local associations so you can go to scholarships.com and it is a little bit of a spammy site. There's a lot of ads on it, but there's legitimate good stuff if you just skip through all the ads. And then you can find local organizations or even national organizations and the different scholarships that they offer. So there was one um, that I did, it was the National Association of Women Business Owners, but they had a local chapter. And so I applied for that. And I think it was like a $1,500 scholarship, but I received that one year and then I applied for it the next year. And I remember my mom being like, well, you got it once, why would you apply for it again? But I read the fine print and it said, maximum two times and so of course i was like well if i got it once my odds should be pretty good for the second time and then i got it a second time as well so i think it's like reading the fine print too and asking questions um later when i was about to graduate from undergrad they were creating this new scholarship to for people to do research and so i applied for that scholarship and i decided that if i got the scholarship i would get my master's if i didn't i would just go into the workforce and so i was waiting on the news i needed to get to take the gmat as part of going into your a master's degree but if i didn't get the scholarship i was like why am i going to take the gmat so i happened to go i hadn't heard anything so i asked one of my professors that i knew was on the committee i was like have you heard anything about the scholarship what's going on he was like I can't say anything, but I think it might be good news. And so he kind of gave me a hint and he was like, you should go talk to this other, like the chair of the committee. So I went and talked to that person and he was like, oh yeah, you received it, but it's contingent on your GMAT score. Well, nobody had told me that and I hadn't been studying hard because I didn't think that I had received the scholarship, but that flipped a switch for me really quick. And I had like two weeks to study for the GMAT and I had a $20,000 scholarship writing on that. Um, luckily, I was able to get the score that I needed to get the scholarship, um, but that was definitely a stressful test. But asking questions, I think, is really helpful. And I was listening to your podcast earlier. I think it was episode 320 with Sandra, um, and she talked about her son and how they, like, basically their tax records show that they made a lot of money, but then she had some hardships, and so that and her son was going to Princeton and she went and talked to the financial aid office. And I think doing things like that is so important. Even if you're not like having this crazy financial thing in your life and you just want extra funds, I think you can go network with them and say, hey, whether or not you're struggling and just say, you know, what's going on? What kind of scholarships do you have? And now that I've worked in higher education, I think talking to the development office, because the development officers, those are the people I didn't know this when I was in college. I think most people don't know it, but those are the people that are talking to the rich people, the donors and getting scholarships. So they know about the scholarship sometimes before they even come in. And sometimes they need somebody to inspire a donor um, or a potential donor. And so being on their good side is really helpful because they have a lot of the information that a lot of people aren't privy to. And just by you supporting them, sometimes it comes full circle and they might, if you know, maybe they're on a committee for a scholarship 
a chair or a, they're on a, they're a chair on a scholarship committee or something like that and so they can support you and say oh yeah that person they're really helpful we need you know let's give that person a scholarship versus you know somebody else that's just a name on a list Have you ever wondered how on earth your friend bought their home or why your coworker meticulously splits the tab down to the last diet coke Other People's Pockets is a show about other people's money. Host Maya Lau asks people from all walks of life to get radically transparent about their personal finances in actual dollar amounts. You'll hear from a dominatrix who gets paid to bully men at the ATM, an elite scientist who couchsurfed to survive, a business prodigy who flipped his services from drugs to dumbbells and more. You can find Other People's Pockets wherever you get your podcasts. That is some great insider in- information and I want to talk a little more about that, but I want to take a step back in terms of when you applied for scholarships because applying you and I have had the conversation <laughs> about my son and applying for scholarships can be another job. Oh, so absolutely. you mentioned that you yes, you went to the scholarship.com site, you mentioned uh, local organizations, but how did you have a specific strategy? Because of course, there's some scholarships that are going to be more competitive than others. I know there's some scholarships that not many people apply or zero people apply. And mm-hmm. they may be the $1,000, $2,000 scholarships, but that that's helpful. <laughs> so I'm curious to know about your strategy and where to apply. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Because again, it takes time. It takes time to write the essays. And granted, I'm sure you can tweak some of the essays if it's a similar question, uh, that type of thing. So tell us about your strategy where you got really the most bang out of your time. And obviously you got this money. Absolutely. So I, you mentioned a couple of things. I think I tried a lot of different things. So I was throwing things at the wall and there were $10,000 scholarships that were national. There were video scholarships before YouTube was big and people had all these fancy cameras or like your iPhone that you can just record something really easily. And and I'll be honest, I didn't get any of those, any of the big ones. What I was the most, and I, I know there are people out there that are, they do courses and things like that and they're better at getting those types of scholarships. So I'm sure there's a strategy that can work. It didn't work for me. What was the easiest and most successful for me was finding those local organizations. So there might be the National Association of Women Business Owners, but it was the local chapter and they were doing a scholarship. And so focusing on those things, because I think there's there's just so few people that are looking for those. And so if you have a pool of maybe 100 people, it could even be less. It could be like 20 people that are applying and you have good grades and you have a couple letters of recommendation or things like that, that can make a big difference. So I think some strategies I did um, when I would receive a scholarship, I would ask for insight. And so let's ask them like, oh, why did you guys pick me? Because that's helpful information just to know in general, what are these people looking for? And I will say I always went above and beyond. So the scholarship that I got for my dad's work and then the National Association of Women Business Owners scholarships, they would request like one or two letters of recommendation and I would do three or four. And so I'd always, if they, if there are hard requirements like an essay needs to be so many words, don't go over that because that's a time thing and they don't want to spend the time. But if you can throw in an extra letter of recommendation, they may or may not read it, 
but I think just showing that you have the drive and the energy and there's more people vouching for you, I think that can be helpful. And so sometimes that may or may not be possible now, a lot of people like upload things, but back then you literally had to mail the application. And so I would just put those things in there, but I think it's following the directions, making sure that you're literally checking all the boxes. That's like the very most basic thing that you need to do. Getting it in on time, obviously, there's always deadlines. And then having really good letters of recommendation is powerful. And then adding extra ones if you can do that as well. And then again, going for the more local organizations, those smaller, because I think if you can be a big fish in a little pond, your odds of being successful are much higher than if you're just a little fish in this huge pond. So I, those are like the top things that I would recommend people do. I love it. And then you meant the insider, I would say secret or our tip is the development office. And from what I understood is that the development office, because this is the first thing that I hear about this, it is are the people that get funds for the university, correct? Mm-hmm. So what you suggested, I just want to make sure I'll re- recap what you suggested was to just network or maybe have whether you would you recommend as a student or would you recommend both a student and parent probably the student I would suppose yeah I would say the student yeah because they're there at the college and you can do so I worked in alumni engagement which was part of the development office and so you can go and alumni engagement people are great too because they're networking with alumni and so another thing is if you're looking for internships now or in the future or jobs in the future it's helpful to have those people that are constantly talking to alumni and rich people basically Um, because usually rich people own businesses or are somehow they have good networks that's how they became rich and so they have good networks that can help you get into unique positions that you might not have been able to find otherwise so it's not guaranteed that if you network with these people that you're going to get a scholarship or that you're going to get um, an internship. But I will say the odds are a lot higher if they know who you are and if you're helpful to them. And sometimes you can even get like on-campus jobs within that department, even like a student worker or something like that. But when we were in the office, we're constantly looking for stories to put in an email newsletter to highlight how amazing our students are because you want to create that emotion for people to donate to the school. And it's hard to find the stories unless you know people. And development officers, they have to constantly be outside talking to alumni and donors, and they don't get a ton of time to talk to students. But if you make it easy for them by showing up to their office and you could do an informational interview and ask them about their job and then just mention that like you would love to shadow them or if there's an event, that an alumni event that you could help them run or you know just literally do the registration, like give name tags. But if you're doing registration for an event that has 50 alumni, that's your opportunity to to meet 50 alumni with jobs that you could potentially get a job or an internship with. So there's just so much opportunity and it's sitting right under people's noses and they're just not realizing it. Relationships are so key. That's what I get from that. Relationships are so essential. So the development office and the alumni, maybe engagement. I don't know what you call them. Alumni, yeah, alumni be, office, usually. Alumni yeah, office, alumni yeah. Office. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. And anything else, insider information that you would like to share, especially with your experience in higher education? I would just say use the resources. So the other, the career development office is really helpful too. So the career development office, a lot of people know know about and they try to market it to students, but I think so few people actually use it. I think students just get, and I was the same way. 
um, this is advice to my younger self because I use the career development office, I think on my last day of school, which isn't the right thing to do, but go and use that resource and get to know those people and fix your resume. And they have quizzes that you can take and there's, there's, there's so much good stuff. It's their job to help and support you. And so use those tools. But so many people are like, oh, I'm busy with school, I'm busy with school. And so they don't take advantage of that until it's too late. And in some ways it's never too late. You can use that usually as an alum as well. But if it's the day that you're graduating and now you're just thinking about your resume, it'd be better if you did it six months or a couple years before that. So. And in terms, because of course there are scholarships, there's aid that the university gives based on, it could be a merit, it can be on different things like that. So anything that you know of, because uh, again, this is, I'm here learning. <laughs> Uh, anything that you know of that really will help you leverage the type of aid that colleges give students? Of course, grades uh, are one thing, um, but anything else that comes to mind? So one thing I would think just in general, too, that I forgot to mention was reverse engineering things. So I think review a lot of the applications, whether it be on scholarships.com or the other things and you can do this early so even if you're in high school or if you're a freshman sometimes it will be like being part of a club or being part of a society well if you're finding out when you're in high school or maybe when you're a freshman you still have time to join that club or that society the more you're involved on campus and the more you're taking advantage of those opportunities the potentially the more opportunities that you'll have to get scholarships and so i think you can reverse engineer it rather than saying like okay you know, I have a good GPA and that's it. So I'm only gonna qualify for the good GPA scholarships. You can say, okay, what are the scholarships out there? Oh, this one is about sports. Like I'm not great at sports. So I'm like, that one's out for me. But this one has to do with student government. Am I interested in student government? I don't know, could I be? And you can just kind of have an open mind about things like that. But I think it just helps so much too from an employer perspective later when people are involved, it shows that they have drive and dedication and time management skills. And again, it's expanding your network. So even if you don't get a scholarship out of it, you're meeting more people. And I mean, I've gotten side, um, like freelancing gigs because of the people that I met when I was in college. And so you never know what a network and opportunity is going to get you in the future. So I would just say, get involved. And again, reverse engineering things is super helpful. And I think you can go Talk to people too, like talk to the financial aid office and ask questions. I think that's super important to just be curious and say like another thing is tuition remission. So I was I went to an event a week ago and I was talking to this person and he was going to an expensive school and he said that he happened to just be meeting with um, his professor and someone walked in and said, hey, can you sign this? And then walked out and he was like, what was that all about? And he was like, oh, I'm signing off her tuition waiver. And he was like, what is a tuition waiver? So he just happened to be in the right place at the right time, learned about a tuition waiver, which also is known as tuition remission. So if you are staff, if you work at a university, you can also usually get a full ride scholarship to that university. And so that person that I was talking to was just like, oh, I want that. How do I find, how do I get that? And so the guy was like, oh, just look on our job board and try to apply for a job. He did. And then he was able to get that. And so it's just being curious, you know, if you don't understand something or you're not sure, instead of saying like, oh, that's not for me. I think like you mentioned merit too. There are scholarships that are more than, that are more for just merit. So I think a lot of people might say like, oh, I don't have good grades, so I can't get scholarships. That's not necessarily true. Um, there's scholarships for all types of people. And so I think having an open mind and searching for those, knowing what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and then, you know, reverse engineer it. If what you're finding is that a lot of them have maybe a B requirement and you have a C average, 
maybe that's motivation to get your average up, but that doesn't mean you need to be a straight A student. So I think kind of you can work backwards, figure out what the application requires and then try to make yourself the best candidate possible. I love that. And I can see just in hearing you speak and all the knowledge that you shared today, why you consider yourself a time and money hacker because <laughs> you do like just that. So I'm curious to know because you don't, you're, what you do, what you focus on is not necessarily the scholarships and helping uh, people get scholarships. So I really, really appreciate the time that you took with us to share your knowledge on that. But you really help people save time uh, and money. And how do you do that? So tell us a little bit about what you do with that. Absolutely. So I have a blog, um, moneyhackymama.com. And then I recently came out with a course that's all about optimizing your life for success and happiness. So I've always been interested in saving money and time, and that's kind of what I've been interested in. Um, I've done side hustles. My career, I've always tried to figure out, I think going back to my mom of being frugal, trying to figure out how to get what I want without necessarily doing it the way normal people have always done it. And then when I, my one of my final degrees that I got <laughs> was with tuition remission. And so with that, I was working at Claremont Graduate University, which is a private institution. And I decided to study positive psychology, positive organizational psychology. And so what that talks a lot about, the main thing of positive psychology, so psychology usually studies what's wrong with people and tries to get people to be average. So if someone's depressed, you try to get them to be normal. Positive psychology, on the other hand, focuses on exceptional people and organizations. So whatever is, there's people that are above average, they're the outliers, and what are they doing that's different? And how can we get other people to be like that? And so I loved studying that and I learned so much about mindset and just the power of thinking differently. I think a lot of us, when something bad happens, it's easy to have like fail, think about failure and have negative self-talk even and say like, oh, and it, in a way it protects our ego, right? If it's like, oh, I didn't get a scholarship, I guess I'm not good enough. And then you can just like forget about that goal. But I, it's positive psychology and people with a stronger mindset will say, okay, that's information, that's data. What can I do better next time to improve? How can I learn from this? And so that's part of having a growth mindset. And so I went through a huge transformation when I was studying that I was able to create a side hustle that before I would just kind of dabble, I studied business, but I think there was a lot of fear and self-doubt and I didn't have a ton of confidence. And then I studied positive psychology and instead of stopping when things got hard, I would continue to push through and have a growth mindset and say, okay, I haven't figured this out yet, but I'm, I'm still learning and what can I learn to better myself and improve? And so now that's what I teach people. With what I learned, I was able to create a side hustle that brings in over $10,000 a month and very little time and brings in passive income. And so I really, I enjoy doing that and I could teach people the strategies of how I do that. But what I think is a huge foundation for people that a lot of schools and a lot of people aren't teaching is that mindset component and that time management component because there's a ton of people, I hear this excuse all the time of, oh, I wanna do X, Y, or Z, but there's just not enough time, right? I wanna lose weight, I want to make more money, I wanna start a side hustle, X, Y, Z, anything that they wanna do, but they just don't have enough time. I was going to school, I was working full time, and I had two kids at home and I was able to create a side hustle that replaced my full-time income. So it is possible but you have to use specific strategies. You have to focus, you have to get your mind right to do that. And so that's what I teach people um, in my course. And I have a free webinar if people are interested. You can just go to moneyhackingmama.com webinar 
and it teaches about time management and um, really there's this really powerful exercise about how people can get rid of limiting beliefs to move forward and I think it's a great time for around the new year as well um, because we're all thinking about our goals and how the next year is going to be different. Oh absolutely and I find this fascinating that you studied that because in hearing you talk about positive psychology and then how you were kind of I think you mentioned dabbling I don't know what word you were were Mm -hmm. using in terms of your business I'm like but I feel like in her upbringing, she was already there <laughs> with her because it was that like you had this uh, this determination, right? Mm-hmm. You've had this, you know, in that mindset, I think was already there. So I find that really, really fascinating. And to the other thing that you mentioned about lack of time, I think, yes, we're all busy, but I think it's our priority, our priority, how do you say, our priorities are maybe not, it might not be that, and it may not be whatever it is, getting out of debt or are making more money. And it might not be a priority, even though it's important, but it's not a priority because there's probably some fear attached Mm -hmm. to that or some mindset component. So I really love what you're doing. So thank you so much. And I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I thank you for the wisdom that you shared with us and all those nuggets, because this was powerful. Thank you so much, Rachel. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope this was helpful and people can go save a ton of money with these tips. Thank you. I learned a lot from this episode and I hope that you did too. Seeing Rachel, how she had a winning approach, not just in getting those scholarships, but how strong and abundant her mindset was at such a young age. It is vital to be aware of your mindset and work to get to know yourself and improve. And I know you hear this in me saying this quite a bit, especially if you listen to this podcast often. So I probably sound like a broken record, but honestly, I'm okay with doing this and time and time again and telling you time and time again until it sticks on you like super glue. Another part of the conversation that I wanted to highlight is that just like Jenny Day from last week's episode, Rachel shared how important it is to apply for scholarships to not limit yourself due to perceived requirements. Notice that her success came from the smaller scholarships, not the big ones. If you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed hearing from Rachel, be sure to connect with her at moneyhackingmama.com. That's moneyhackingmama.com. And like usual, we will include it in the show notes. I am sure that this conversation left you with inspiration to create a growth mindset, as well as being blown away with knowledge when it comes to funding higher education. If you have questions, comments, or maybe you want to share a question that you would have wanted me to ask Rachel, go to our community over at jenhemphill.com forward slash community, which is designed just for this. And now for our community segment where I highlight someone from our community. And today it comes in the form of a review that we receive for this podcast. And it comes from Valisarra, where this person writes awesome podcasts, gives a five-star review, and it reads, I love Jen's podcast episodes. She provides such valuable information for Latinas and all women. She makes you want to learn more about the financial world and gets you motivated to take control of your finances. Thank you so much, Valisarra. And if this episode or if this podcast has made a difference for you, we really would appreciate you 
leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to do. And just leave us an honest review. Not asking for five stars, not asking for something, you know, out of this world. Just something simple, just the honest feedback. We really would appreciate it. Next week, it's just going to be me and you for a solo episode where I will share why we shouldn't always be focused on reducing expenses when needing to save more money or pay extra towards that debt, invest more, and things of that sort. It is going to be a good one. Be sure not to miss it. So be sure to hit the follow button on this podcast right now on the platform you are listening from. Bueno, pues that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out our show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 341. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 341. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.